that I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Remnant Call. I'm your host, Brother Frank. Glad to be here with you. Uh, Sorry there was no Remnant Call last week, but my daughter had her eighth grade graduation. Um, When I went to school, it seemed like we only graduated from high school. But anyways, different world. But uh, I just want to say thanks to God because I feel so blessed um, to have two girls that love Jesus, a wife, loves the Lord, um, that for you all that know my story, um, didn't start out very well for me. And, um, I brought a lot of hardship on this family, um, before my conversion 20 years ago. And the fact that the Lord has shown such mercy to save both of my daughters, I couldn't, and my wife, I couldn't ask for anything more, um, to die knowing that your household loves the Lord. To me, that that's, Mission accomplished, and I thank God. And, and another thing, I really thank the Lord because in a world where so much difficulty to find godly religious education, we feel blessed, my wife and I, to have the opportunity to send uh, our youngest daughter. The oldest one was homeschooled all the way through, but the youngest daughter, um, she wanted to go to school, and we found a school of believers, and it was amazing. And we thank God for the the devotion of those teachers into developing our young daughter into a believer um, in the Lord in school and with godly friends. And that's just a rare thing. And so we just praise the Lord for that. Um, Tonight's going to be an an important message. It's called God's Revival When the False Prophets Flee. Now, if you heard a while back ago, several months ago, after the midterm elections, Brother Benjamin and myself, we had a program exposing one of the major false prophets out there today, proclaiming he he had gotten all the Trump prophecies, and you've heard it all before, and he predicted Trump was going to win, and everybody put all their faith in this man. It was amazing, and he sold a ton of books and made his fortune. And then he said that how the Republicans were going to win at the midterms and all this stuff. And, and it finally he was exposed for the fraud that he was. And the interesting thing was is that people still defend this false prophet when he made such bold predictions. Now, if a person senses something and they think that something is going to happen, that's one thing. But when you say God told you something, that's a different story. If you throw a thus saith the Lord in there, now we have an issue because timing is one thing. We all have felt that the Lord is coming very soon. We, many of us believe it would be before even now. But the fact is, is that we're not going out there and saying the Lord's coming on this year at this time or this, you know, it's not what's going on. But these false prophets are out there proclaiming this stuff to sell their books that don't lead to deeper walk with the Lord. 
but they do lead to deeper profits in their pockets and in its madness and people consume it. And so when it comes to revival, it, people in America don't even understand in churches what a revival really looks like. They believe that revival is just some slick preacher that comes into their church for a couple of weeks or however long and preaches some slick sermons and makes you feel good for a few seconds and leaves out of there. And they call that revival. Well, true revival, when it takes place, changes a people. It, it changes the people around them. And many times it even changes the environment around those people. And that's what I want to talk about tonight is God's revival. It's coming, folks, and we need to be ready. Let's pray. Father, in the most powerful name above every name, Yeshua, Jesus, the Holy One, we ask that tonight's program, Lord, would be about your revival, your way. When you want to move, Lord, we want to be ready to receive. So I ask in the name above every name, Yeshua, that you would pour your spirit out upon your people, Lord. That we would know and understand that the true revival that comes from God has always happened the same way. It will always continue to happen the same way. And Lord, we want to know your way. We ask that you would bless in Yeshua's name tonight and that this program is committed unto you. God's revival when the false prophets flee. I'm sick and tired of all these people talking about, well, America is going to have a great revival that's going to turn this country back around. Folks, I don't care what the people tell you. And I, let, me, let me just say this right now. Every time I hear that the abortion laws are getting better, and some, I, I rejoice. I'm very excited. I want to move to these states, you know, just to – but it's still there's a problem. If you're still committing abortion at any time, there is an issue. Now, I'm not talking about extreme medical procedures in certain situations, you know, whatever that may be. But I don't care if you were raped or whatever it was, that baby did not ask to be killed. It did not ask to be murdered in the womb. And so as long as we continue to keep having abortions, and you see the absolute rage that's out there from not only the left wing, but within the Christian so-called community, believers calling themselves faithful followers of Jesus Christ, yet supporting abortion. As long as we promote this in the open homosexuality and debauchery of this age, if you think that America is going to be revived, you've got another thing coming. Because it will not be revived. We have become more vile than Sodom and Gomorrah ever was. The debauchery of Sodom and Gomorrah does not even compare to the filth that is going on in the United States and the Internet in this world today. Sodom and Gomorrah would probably blush if they saw the things that were going on here. But that does not mean there will not be revival amongst God's people. That, my friends, is a different story. Tonight I want to share with you about God's revival, because it's powerful, and it's coming. We remember in the book of Joel, and we're going to touch on that later, and we know that there was a partial fulfillment at the first coming when Yeshua was here on this earth, when he, when he, at the, at the um, Acts at Pentecost, when, when Peter gave that sermon and everything, and we ta and talked about it, but that we, even scholars, that was only a partial fulfillment of what is truly coming in these last days. What is truly coming in this last days will blow your mind. 
that greater works than Jesus did? Oh, yeah, that's still coming. That greater works is still something that the believers will share in and partake in that absolute miracles. Because the more wicked this world gets, the more righteous and holy God's people will get. And as the false miracles happen, the true will come at the same time. Because the devil is a counterfeiter, so he must throw up a false counterfeit right now to what the true is going to happen. Just like we're seeing all these so-called UFOs and aliens, which is demonic, coming about because there is one true one that's coming from outside of this universe named the Almighty Yeshua Hamashiach that's coming. So the devil's got his false so-called visitors that you see all coming over the news. It's from the devil. It's not of God, but it's a setup so that people will accept these false saviors that are coming on this earth. Truth be told, if we don't get right and get close and get intimate with God now, we will be deceived. Folks, if it was possible, even the very elect, as the Bible said, would be deceived, it is not possible because only those who will truly surrender themselves will be able to be saved. Folks, that verse in and of itself is an extreme warning to do not trust yourself because if it was, it, this delusion is so strong that if it was possible, the very elect of God, it is a warning to say, don't you even think that you can stand by yourself in these last days. The deception will be too strong unless the Lord is your cover. Well, I loved my one of my favorite uh, stories of revival that happened was by one of great men, Charles Finney. And I just love this story, and I want to share it with you because it reminds us what can happen when the power of God is flowing freely through his people. And it, starting in, around in the 1700s into the 1800s, there were some powerful movements of God that was happening. And this one story of of uh, Brother Finney up in New York, it starts out, it says, the next morning, I went into the factory to look through it. I observed there was a good deal of agitation among those who were busy at their looms and their mules and other implements. On passing through one of the apartments where a great number of young women were attending to weaving, I observed a couple, although they excuse me, a couple of them eyeing me and speaking very earnestly. And I could see that they were a good deal agitated, although they tried to laugh. I went slowly towards them. They saw me coming and were evidently much excited. One of them was trying to mend a broken thread and her hand trembled so that she could not mend it. I approached slowly, looking at the machinery as I passed, but the girl grew more and more agitated and could not proceed with her work. When I came within eight or ten feet of her, I looked solemnly at her. She was quite overcome, sunk down, and burst into tears. The impression caught almost like powder, and in a few moments, nearly all in the room were in tears. This feeling spread throughout the factory. The owner was present, and seeing the state of the things, he said to his superintendents, "'Stop the mill.'" And let the people attend to religion. For it is more important that our souls should be saved than that this factory run. The gates were shut down. The factory stopped. But there should, where should we assemble? The superintendent suggested that the mule room was large and the mules being run up, we could assemble there. We did so in more powerful meeting I scarcely ever attended. It went on with great power. The revival went through the mill with astonishing power, and in the course of a few days, nearly all in the mill were hopefully converted. The power of God when his spirit is flowing freely through his people. Charles Finney was such a godly man, 
that even when his train would pass through stations, people would begin to repent as he passed through. Unfortunately, today we've lost sight of those powerful revivals because we've been so used to everything being taken care of in this instantaneous um, gratification that we are used to receiving all the time. And so we are not patient at all anymore to receive it. But this is not what God wants us to do. And folks, it wasn't that long ago. Matter of fact, it was in 1949 on the Isle of Lewis in the Hebrides Islands off Scotland that the Free Church Presbytery of Lewis met in the town of Stornoway. To consider the terrible drift away from the ordinances of the church, especially by the young people of the island. Churches were almost empty and sin was running rampantly, especially in the youth. Among the people who were especially concerned about the situation were two sisters, Peggy and Christine Smith. One of them, 84 years of age and blind, while the other 82 and crippled with arthritis. They were greatly burdened because of the appalling state of their own church, for not a single young person attended public worship, so they made it a special time of prayer. You see, the people were burdened at the time, and they decided that they were not going to settle for the people, the young especially, not coming to church. You know, I, get, I hear so often that the youth are the future. The truth is, folks, the youth are the present, and we need to care about their souls. Well, on Tuesdays and Fridays on the Hebrides there, they got on their knees at 10 o'clock in the evening and remained on their knees until 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. One night, Peggy had a vision, and in her vision, she saw the church of her father's crowded with young people packed to the doors and a strange minister standing in the pulpit. She told her sisters that revival was coming, so they called the local minister, Mr. Mackay, and this is what they said. You've tried your mission— You've tried your special evangelists, but have you really tried God? If you gather the elders together, you can meet in, in another cottage, and as you pray there, we will pray here. So they gathered together the elders and continued in that way for some three weeks. November 1, one night at 4 a.m. in the morning, a young man stood up in the midst and quoted Psalm 24, 3-5, and with deep conviction, he fell to his knees, and the Spirit of God rushed in, and revival broke out all over the Isle of Lewis. You see, what happened in that moment was a group of people, especially two old ladies in their 80s, who decided they were not going to rest until God showed up and did something. They believed in the power of revival, and they're not willing to settle for anything less. And so if it took till 10 o'clock at night, till 4 o'clock in the morning, nightly, and, or Tuesdays and Fridays, until they saw the Lord move, they were not going to change their ways until God made a difference. And as expected and believed, the Lord showed up powerful. You know, I was reading some years back about some people who went over to the Hebrides Islands around 2003 or so. And they met people still alive that were there during the revival. And as they would speak about it, they said tears would come back to the people's eyes. And one man said that not one person was arrested in Barvis for 20 years after that revival took place. People were on the side of the streets, in the ditches, in front of the police station. They were crying out and repenting all over the island because God was moving in such a powerful way. Folks, you can still hear that fantastic sermon by Duncan Campbell. Today it's an old sermon. He's got a strong accent, but I recommend listening to it when God stepped down from heaven. you got to hear that message. He was there. He was the man who preached through that powerful revival, and it will touch your heart. You see, we also 
as believers, are also looking for revival, just like the island of Lewis. For those of us who have studied the early history, we know what God can do in the churches. So often we talk about our church fathers and those who were in the early days and, 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 and Wesley's and all those people. But it's today that God is desiring to move again. And it looks so hopeless sometimes in America. But when you look in China, you look in South America, you look in Africa, and I've been there in Africa, and I've seen the power of what God can do in the miraculous over there. And I often wonder to myself, I, was like, I go over there and I see God do these unbelievable things. And I wonder, why doesn't he do them in America? like I see him happen over there and I realize we serve the same God what's the difference and it hit me over there they have nothing and God is everything over here we have everything and God is nothing and I saw the power amongst poor people when the Lord was the center of their universe what he could do and it was unstoppable it was amazing and I seen it with my own eyes and I realized the power of God to make changes in radically in people's lives if the truth be told sometimes we look at some of these things and we say you know what that was back for the early church we, we like to believe God can do it, but we've kind of compartmentalized this stuff that that was for the early believers. But the truth is, folks, it was just not that long ago that God made some true revivals happen. I don't know if you've ever read the history of the 1905 Welsh revival. It was so powerful. They shut down the pubs. They shut down. It was unbelievable what happened in the 1905 Welsh revival. And folks, it can happen again today. Because God is going to shut the mouths of these false prophets prophesying this false American revival. The true revival would come among God's people in every country, in any place where they were desiring the deeper walk with the Lord. Folks, we must have revival because that's the only way we're going to survive the great deceptions and the times that are coming upon this. And I'm not talking about a revival where your finances are all of a sudden just amazing and you've got everything in the world. No, I'm talking about a revival to where you've come to such a point of brokenness that you trust God for everything that he can do in your life, and you're not willing to be shaken no matter what the cost is. That's what I call revival. Revival sometimes means that you've lost everything, but you've gained everything in Christ. That's revival. Revival means that you are willing, even when you don't understand the consequence, to accept no matter what the Lord deals you, you will be confident and stand strong because revival means that God has your back and you know it for fact. Acts chapter 1, I love this story. Acts chapter 1 is a powerful, powerful, a powerful time in the Bible. Verse 6, I want to start reading there. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. When they were therefore come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. You see, here God declared to his disciples to wait. Wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. 
that when you receive it in its fullness that God intended, you will have power to go into the strongest of strongholds of the enemy's kingdom to share the everlasting gospel and set the captives free. This is a clear statement that Christians' power comes not from themselves, but only from God. You remember the story. They met in the upper room. They prayed with all their heart. I do believe that they were also fasting because Jesus said that there would come a day when the bridegroom would be taken away, and then they should fast. And after 10 days, the promise of God fell through the power of the Holy Ghost, and the people were of one accord and so filled with the Holy Ghost that Peter stood up and preached a sermon so powerful that 3,000 people got saved, and I called that revival. Folks, I want to make it clear that God wants nothing less and has made every provision that you need to live in the fullness of his spirit in what is called God-ordained revival. You see, in 10 days, those men and women that were up there in that upper room were so filled with the very spirit of the living God that the whole entire earth was changed within 30 years on foot as they took the gospel around the world. It will go around the world again. But in 30 years, they took the gospel on their feet around the world. That's the power of revival, and it's going to be even greater in the last days. Why would you think that God wants nothing more than absolute full-on revival? It's happening in other countries. It's happening around the world. It can and will happen here amongst God's people. Quit worrying about whether America is going to be saved. Quit worrying about whether America is going to have revival. Start worrying about getting ourselves right with the Lord. We need to start following him with all of our hearts. We cannot change Babylon, but we can change by the power of the living God, people's souls unto salvation, and see more come to Christ. That is the mission of what we are to do. Now, I'm all for standing up against things that are ungodly like abortion and other things. And I'm so thankful for those who stand strong. But folks, we've got to not ever forget, we must share this gospel, but we need the revival power of the living God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 17, starting in verse 14. As I share the truth of what's God's revival, these false prophets are going to flee. They're going to run. They're going to cry out for the rocks to fall upon them because they never followed the living God. Because they're promoting revival in Sodom and Gomorrah amongst people who don't even want it. And they say, this is what God's going to do. And it's okay to have an abortion. And it's okay if you want to be a homosexual. It's okay if you want to do that. When the truth is, they should be warning those people that they're headed down the wrong road. And the end of this road leads to hell. And they need to change their ways. Warning somebody that they're on the wrong path is not judging someone's outcome. That's God's duty. But it is Godly, when we warn somebody that the path that they are taking is leading them to the wrong location. You wouldn't let your children run off a cliff, would you? You would warn them to stop what they were doing. But for some reason, we feel that in churches, we can't tell people that they're heading in the wrong direction. And the reason why? Because we're not living right ourselves. And the hypocrisy is too big for us to handle. That's why we need revival. So that we can live the way God wants us to live. And that cannot be done in the flesh. It must be done through the Spirit. 
and it can only be done by seeking the Lord. Matthew chapter 17, starting in verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For all times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to the disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto him, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. You see, this man, his son was hurt, and he went to those who called themselves of God. That was the disciples. They were on a mission. They were, they were ordained by Christ at the time. But the truth was, they were still living in the flesh. And so they couldn't cast out this devil. And the man's upset. And he asked Jesus, why couldn't they do this? And so Jesus tells them, you know, sometimes these devils are so deeply rooted. Sometimes they're down in so deep that it only comes out by prayer and fasting. Now, this is the misunderstanding of this verse that blows people don't understand. The devil actually doesn't truly come out by prayer and fasting. No. The problem why they couldn't actually cast out the devil is Jesus said, because of your unbelief. You see, what prayer and fasting does is it begins the path to allow God to cure the unbelief. See, when you begin to draw out the hungry and rely upon God, the unbelief gets taken away and the power from on high begins to restore into the believer's body. So that the belief, the faith is what casts out the devil and God. The Lord is actually the one who casts them out. But the unbelief is what holds us back. And sometimes these devils need a powerful dose of belief. And only fasting and prayer is what can take care of that. You see, what happens so often is we forget that the same God that we read about in the book of Acts is the same God that's on the throne today. And we start to wonder, will God ever revive us again? Or have we gotten so satisfied you know, with, with our so-called religion and hearing an occasional testimony from someone that we begin to believe that maybe this is all or as good as it gets? This kind of thinking permeates to many of the churches today we see, and when God has bigger plans, but some of these deep-rooted feelings of unbelief of these devils won't come out but by prayer and fasting, folks. You see, fasting is a secret weapon of God that he has given to his people. It is a forgotten practice that was once a staple of the Christian walk. Contrary to modern belief, fasting is not just an option. It is a weapon, and Jesus even said it in his word, as I mentioned earlier, but the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they in those days fast. Excuse me, or then shall they fast in those days. You see, Jesus wasn't saying, hey, if you feel like fasting, you know, you ought to do that. No, he was saying, listen, there comes a time when Jesus is going to be taken back away. And when those days come, you will begin to fast again. The disciples weren't fasting when they were with Christ. You can't fast when you're with the bridegroom. But when the bridegroom is taken away, then we will fast. The problem is today, people don't want to fast anymore. 
They're afraid to miss even a meal. When the truth is, if they would try a longer term fast, several days to a week or more, you would understand that the power of God, you've got to get at least four days into a fast before you begin to feel the power. This is the interesting thing about fasting. After the third or fourth day, folks, your hunger will go away. Yes, it does. It will go away. Oh, and it's amazing what happens. And folks, there is some older shows on this here where Benjamin was on, and there's a great recipe. I use it too when fasting where you take the beets, celery, and carrots uh, and chop them up into distilled water and let them soak. And you just drink the water off those vegetables. And it, oh, it's just amazing what it does. See, distilled water is an empty water. And so it absorbs those nutrients into it. And when you drink that with a, it, just it's powerful. And it was amazing. And a doctor discovered it in Brazil years ago. It's powerful. But that's what God wants to do. The problem is nobody wants to fast much anymore. I'm not saying you have to fast 40 days or something. I'm not saying you ought to fast, you know, 21 days, unless God tells you to do that. But that's, up, that's between you and him. But, folks, a week-long fast for many of us, unless you're under some doctor medical emergency, okay, wouldn't kill you. I Trust me, there's enough fat in there. You can live on it. All right? And so God will do amazing things. Actually, truthfully, you should always fast. Don't break your fast until at least eight days. You go seven, and you can break it on the eighth, because on the seventh day, your body repairs and regenerates itself. It's a powerful process that happens. Second Chronicles chapter 20. I'm going to begin to wrap up this show with this powerful story. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them other besides the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria, and behold, they be in Hazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered, together, gathered themselves together to ask of the Lord, even out of all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Here, Je Jehoshaphat was in a terrible situation. The enemy was coming after him. He knew that this was a terrible thing. And so instead of running around and first embracing, finding how much military he has, Jehoshaphat does the right thing. He calls together the children of Israel to fast before the Lord. He calls them everybody. To, he said, you know what? Get them together. It's time to proclaim a fast throughout everything. Well, then Jehoshaphat, he goes on, and he begins to share all the amazing things he but that God had done to drive out the enemy, and how that they had known uh, what to do, but they were going to put their eyes upon God, that all these amazing things, and he gave him to glorify God, and picking it back up in, in verse 13, and said, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones and their wives and their children, then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, and the son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation, and he said, hearken ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliffs of Ziz, and ye shall find 
They're at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerusalem. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. The Lord will be with you. See, Jehoshaphat humbled himself and called a solemn assembly out. A time when they would fast and pray and, and get together and seek the Lord with all the heart. And God answered in a powerful way and says, Jehoshaphat, don't you worry. You need to stand still and see my salvation. You're not going to fight this battle, but God is going to go out and do it for you. God showed up in a powerful way because instead of trying to do it on his own, he sought the Lord and cried out to him and God was ready to do battle. My question is, dear believer, did God love Jehoshaphat more than he loves us? Was Jehoshaphat somehow more of a child of God than we are? The answer is no, of course. But let's look at verse 3 and 4 one more time. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. You see, Jehoshaphat was truly in over his head. But instead of sitting around and doing nothing while his kingdom faced sudden destruction, Jehoshaphat sought the Lord. Believers, remnant, fellow brothers and sisters in Messiah, the night, the hour that you hear this program is no different. We are in the same situation as Jehoshaphat. We are up against a spiritual battle like we have never seen. People can now live and do whatever they want, and we would just call it natural. Sin is no longer being called sin. Jehoshaphat never had to deal with the internet and pornography addictions and technology addictions and social media and violent video games that we have to deal with today. The devil has an absolute stronghold over our society and many of the children out there, and God's people need to fight. Prayer and fasting is our weapon. To empty ourselves out and allow God to step in and fill us with his spirit. It is a tool to rekindle the fires of revival. Not only will your life change, but the lives of others around you will change also. I encourage and even challenge each one of you to begin to walk new with the Lord. That includes prayer and fasting. Not only in yourselves, but folks, if you can get together, fellow believers, it's hard to meet around. And there's, We've talked before with other people. It would be nice if we could meet somewhere. It's difficult to do. But God has other people around your area. I remember years ago, I was so desperate. I just ran an ad in the paper for people to pray for with me. And you know what? Answered. God has other people. There are others who want the same thing. But we've got to pray and ask and seek God that he would deliver. God has a work for you in your area. There are other like-minded believers. There is more than 7,000 who are, haven't bowed their knee to Baal. There are millions of people that will be in the last days, a great multitude which no man can number. And they're out there, and God can lead you with other people. But in the meantime, he might have a season where he needs you to get alone with him in prayer and fasting and ask him, if, Lord, if it's your will, could we have a solemn assembly? Should lead me to other believers that want to cry out, Lord, together to seek your face. The prophet Joel saw the day that we are living in, and he gave special instructions when he saw our day. Joel chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, he says, Sanctify ye a fast, 
Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry unto the to the Lord. Alas, for the day for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as destruction from the Almighty shall it come. See, when Jehoshaphat looked down through history on what was happening at the day of the Lord, that's the end time. That is the very end. When he saw that time, he said, it's not time for you to start having some type of fancy slick preachers come in here. It's time when you get together and you fast and you pray and you seek the Lord with all of your heart. That's what you do when the day of the Lord is at hand. Joel chapter 2, starting in verse 12, it says, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garment, and turn to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth that he will return and repent, and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Blow the trumpets in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, Gather the people together, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. And let's say, spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach, that the heathen should rule over him. Wherefore, should they gather among the people? Where is their God? God says when it's time, folks. Those of you that lead churches, pastors, elders, people, it's time to fast and pray. Your slick sermons aren't enough. We must pray and we must fast and repent and seek the Lord with all of our heart. That's the way he breaks us and opens us so that we can be filled with his will and the desire that he has for us. You might be doing something in your life that you think is of God, but it might be not that he, what he wants you to do. But until you humble yourself before him and seek him openly with all of your heart, until that seed dies and falls to the ground and it opens up at its death, can the receive the nutrients that the ground has to offer. It's the same way with the hearts of God's people. Until they are broken and open, then they be filled with his spirit. Because God doesn't want to leave you in this stage forever. He wants to remold you so that you can be useful in his kingdom and do something for the glory of God. Our job is not to sit here alone in our homes complaining about everything else for the rest of our lives. Our jobs is to get out there and tell somebody that Jesus is coming again. And I'm sick and tired of people that sit around waiting for somebody else to do the work that they've been called to do. And if that's what you've been called to do, it's time for you to get up and start doing it and quit waiting on somebody else. These are the days of revival. It's God's revival. And the false prophets are going to flee. But if you're going to sit still, you're wasting God's time. You need to make a change in your life and get right and get real with God. God is calling us to revival. And if you look at all of the revivals in the Bible, there's a fantastic paper out there. It's, um, it, is a, it is basically a research. It's on the, the Solemn Assembly, I believe. Or the, and and I can't, Richard Owens or something. I can't remember the guy's name. You can find it. But it is research of all the biblical revivals. And folks, you will find out they all happened the exact same way. The people were in crisis. They humbled themselves. They cried out to God, and God answered. Why do you think revival will happen any other way than God's way? God is calling us to a change. And yes, folks, 
it may require you stopping some things in your life. It may require you to start doing some different stuff. But folks, you'll never be happier than when you're fully following the Lord. Even if your family turns against you, you will be at peace when you are following the Lord. And the amazing thing is, I've seen it happen. Those that turn against you, God ends up bringing back around later. That's what he can do. I want to encourage you tonight. Begin to cry out to God. Get your prayer closets ready. Get the, get the rooms cleaned up. And get alone with him. And start seeking his face. Fasting. Prayer. And humbling ourselves before our God. And you better look out. Because he's going to do something amazing in your life. This is Brother Frank from the Remnant Call saying to everybody, Good night and Shalom. Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.